With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Welcome along to Robins on the Wild, myself, Michelle Owen, Greg McGregor, and we have a very special guest this week. I'll come on to that in just a second. A Bristol City legend. We're so excited to have him on the podcast. After we've spoken to him, we'll reflect on the one-all draw against Millwall and look ahead to Birmingham on Saturday. But I'm very pleased to say our special guest is Brian Tinian. Thank you so much for coming on this no week, problem. Brian. You're a very busy man, so today we want to reflect on your Bristol City career, your playing days, that year of management, and then, of course, your role, what you do now and explain more to people about what you do because I think people know that you help the young players you recruit young players sometimes as well but maybe aren't that clued up on it so um, if we start then just just with your playing days how did the move from Bradford to come down here come about? Tony Forthrop was um, was actually from Bradford and I got to know him and he was a scout at Bristol City so I used to always see his car around and um, it had the Bristol City logo on and I, I got to know Tony really well and he used to watch me a lot at Bradford and my contract was coming to the end and um, we had conversations, we met. So um, that was mainly the reason I came down, watched the game, met Russell Osman, who was the manager at the time. And it just felt right, really. It was a time, I'd had four years at Bradford, really good years, um, and thought it was time for a new a new start. And what was it about Bristol City? Because you've stayed here overall so long could you ever have dreamt at that moment when you signed that first contract that you'd be here you in never 2018? Do. you never do you never know but I'd, I'd, I'd signed my contract in Newcastle I'd left school 16 to 19 where I'd seen my contract out so I'd never really walked out of a contract really so I knew when I came here I wanted to stay here long term but you never know how long that's going to last and that probably depends on how well you actually do on the pitch which for a majority of the time I think went really really well so it was just I felt at home I felt comfortable I enjoyed playing football here and it was never anywhere I really wanted to leave although at times I probably could have Oh yeah sorry Brian just at this point I had one question for you because I did the um, senior Reds talk recently some of the fans come up, came up to me afterwards and said if you get a chance to um, speak to Brian Tinian ask him and I hope I haven't been set up here about Gaza maybe driving a car over your dad's garden is that is that one true? yeah that certainly is yeah I was good friends with um, with Gaza from probably 14 years of age we played together at Dunstan Juniors wow. and um, we both he stayed at my house and he was he was just as mad then to be honest he, I even got him into playing cricket at one point which was farcical really, really. But, so yeah he used to stay over quite a lot and he was driving before I was driving we were obviously uh, apprentices together and he's decided to drop me off one day and um he asked the question, do I want dropping off at the door? So Aww. I said, yeah, yeah, please, that'd be great. And um, as he wheel span round the corner onto the lawn and virtually dropped me right against the uh, front door, which my <laughs> mum and dad were so your parents, your parents They were delighted, yeah, yeah. But to be honest, by the time I'd got out of the car, he was gone. So, yeah, he didn't stay for a while after that, I must say. Are you still but in touch? We saw him at a do in um, Bristol not so long ago and it ended up a 
to be honest, a bit of a heavy night. It was one where <laughs> me and Kath struggled to get up the next day. <laughs> so yeah, but he's a great lad, Gaza. Unfortunately, he's he's had his problems, and to be honest, being brought up with him, I don't want to say too much really, but mm. you could see probably from his from his upbringing, and it, it was a tough time. It was a t- it was tough for him to. Yeah. But some great memories. Yeah, great as well. memories. Oh yeah, we won the Youth Cup, we won the FA Youth Cup, where ten of us probably made good careers from that. He Can was you just tell us some of the names of it? Yeah, Ian Bogey was a, a great player at 15, 16. He was the one that everybody thought was going to be the top player. He ended up, I think, Millwall, Port Vale, but a really good midfield player. But Gaza was the standout. We had um, Gary Kelly was a goalkeeper who had a good career. Um, Paul Stevenson, a right winger. Kev Scott, the centre half, who ended up at Spurs. So we had a we had a load I, of good players Gaz, come out. Gazo, some player though. I mean, I think um, I think Gary Lineker or somebody was saying recently that no, in fact Southgate was saying, wasn't he recently, that he's probably the only world class midfielder England have had. Oh over, yeah, over he was unbelievable time, talent. You Could know, you get near just, him in training? Could you even get near? No, him? you couldn't really. He was just it's so natural. You couldn't coach him. He's he's never been coached, Gazo. He was just a a natural footballer who was like top top draw and training with him and every level he stepped he just he just made that step so easy and that we could see that in training when we when we all started stepping up and getting close to the first team he was just exactly the same from 14s in Dunstan Juniors to 18 playing in the top league he just never changed and he played exactly the same goes without saying then probably the best you've ever played alongside oh for sure yeah it was he was a he was a brilliant lad we were really close and he's it's great to see how well he did on the football pitch and uh, I think following a little bit on Twitter he seems to be a bit better and settled in his life in general which is nice Fantastic Well from Bradford yes you came to Bristol City if this is right 458 appearances is that right? 551 in all competitions So 458 in the league In the league Yeah, yeah so 551 wow. I think it's the fourth highest in the club's history which is a great honour for me and um, enjoyed every bit of it you know and I probably it would have been more if I hadn't become player manager I mm. think I could have played on for probably another season or two, definitely so. But yeah, proud of that. We'll come on to the player manager thing in a minute because I'd imagine that is a difficult <laughs> role. But let's just start with your playing days um, back in the early 90s, 1993, when you came to Bristol City. Uh, you stayed here for so long as a player. Who were some of the best players you played with while you were here and what were some of the highlights you can pick out from those years? Well, one of my early games, I came to Ashton Gate, we played Bristol Rovers, I think. It might have been the first home game I played, actually, and it was like 25,000 here. And there was people locked outside and I'm thinking, blimey, no, this is, this is massive. It's one all. I've had a shot cleared off the line, handball, and I've looked round and I'm thinking, who takes the penalties? Because I'd only, we played midweek at Swindon in my debut. And uh, this is my home debut. And Martin Scott, the left back, who was the penalty taker, was suspended. So there's nobody. I'm stood with a ball, and there's 25,000 first game, Bristol Rovers. I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I took it and obviously scored, which was a, which was a great relief. And we um, we won the game, and that pushed them a little bit further to relegation and put us a little bit safer. So it was a massive start. But we there's loads of games. With Scott Murray was a brilliant player for me to play with because. I had that outlet of hitting that pass over the top and he'd... he'd Just knew the pace to go on. Yeah, we had such a good Such an outlet when you've got a player like that. Yeah, yeah. We, I, he knew before I got the ball where the ball was going and wow. he was off. So it was hard. People tried to stop it, but they just couldn't really stop it. Mm. It was unbelievable. Adiak and Bay, a big striker. Sean Gota had a couple of seasons here of scoring yeah, of goals. Course. Had a real good relationship with Sean. 
on the pitch again when I had the ball he knew he knew where I was going to put that ball he'd be off and running and there were some great players we had some really good exciting young players come through the Tommy Dock was a great midfield player Danny Coles was a good centre half who came through the academy so we've We've seen some good ones, very good. Darren Bernard was... Well, I had some great lefties. I first came here with Martin Scott, who was a great left-back. Very good. We had a great relationship on and off the pitch before he went to Sunderland. Then he was replaced with um, Darren Bernard, who came from Chelsea, who was a, another brilliant player who I got on really well with before he got sold. Then Jim Brennan came in and had 20 games at left-back behind me and he got sold to Forest for over a million. And then Mickey Bell came and we had a brilliant eight years with Belly. Geordie lad as well so we got on really well room together and had another great time together on that left hand side we had some, had some great players on that side mm. that goal up at Anfield I'd take it is that the highlight Brian would you say yeah it is because it was such a big game for, for everyone you know the supporters as much as me and, and the, my fellow teammates as well who were fantastic on the night you know from Keith Welsh in goal who made some great saves we had Andy Llewellyn the Bristol boy playing right back you know Mark Shale and Scotty and Dave Martin in midfield with Rob Edwards and uh, big Wayne Allison up the front who had a few chances. Junior Bent who could have had about 15, I think he missed, but Junior normally used to miss, so we weren't too surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, the great group of lads, and we went there just to enjoy ourselves. We'd had two draws here. The, the floodlights went out in the first game, mm-hmm. so we were one all. And then the second game here, we drew one all. So we went there to enjoy ourselves. We, we thought probably we'd, we'd missed that time. We thought we had a chance here, but we went there to enjoy it, and we did enjoy it. We played really well. Looking back at the game, which I must have done about three thousand times, <laughs> we actually played well. We did actually play well in the game and, and deserved it. And as we found out recently, unfortunately, it cost Scotty Murray his move up there. But <laughs> these things happen, don't they? That's that's what yeah. Poor saying. Scott. I got him moved to Reading and I moved yeah. back, so he, he'll, he didn't he mention did that. Right. He will. He will <laughs> survive. He will survive that lad. Um. So. You're talking very fondly of your, your playing days, but you made that transition into player management. For those that don't know, tell us how this came about. Um, we just got beat in the in the playoff final against Brighton at the Millennium, and um, it was just, it was unfortunate. I got on really well with Danny Wilson, a fantastic bloke. Um, he introduced me, got me into like coaches' meetings, would be very open with me to what it was to be about a manager because he knew I was interested in that sort of thing. And um, he left after that game. And um, obviously, I had discussions with the, the board, and silly, silly me took the job. <laughs> it was, I didn't realise how difficult it would be, to be honest. But most of them players in that dressing room I'd been friends with for a long, long time. And to make that transition, I obviously I didn't realise how difficult it would be, but it was difficult. And um, to be fair, the first season when I played, I felt more comfortable playing and managing, to be honest, because. I could affect the game mm. and I could actually still at 37 I was still playing a, a part and we missed out on the playoffs by um, one point um, we won at Sheffield Wednesday last game of the season but Brentford got a, had a match our result and they ended up in the playoffs so we missed out I tried which was probably wrong to, to change it around a lot and, and bring I think I brought seven, eight players in now then we didn't have the, um, the infrastructure or the scouting system I was at that time I was training I was managing I was scouting I was doing the press I was doing the board you know it was, it you couldn't focus on one thing no you couldn't focus on kit as well well, <laughs> no, well yeah Scotty had to come back um, but yeah it was a difficult job and looking back it's 
just a job you you do very well to succeed in. Ha. I tried my best, but the, the key and the the biggest and best part of it was for me that as I introduced seven academy players in that 18 months, mm -hmm. and all of them went on to play at a higher level and, and were successful. Mm. So Leroy Lita, I played first season 28 goals, off to the Premier League to Reading. I played Scott Goldborn, who has had a brilliant career. I played Dave Cottrell, who's had a really mm. good career. Cole Skuse, who yeah. played here for 10 years. I played Joanne Yinsa, who ended up at Charlton in the Championship. Ryan Harley, who ended up going to Swansea. Into, so that is the, the big plus part from it from me. I managed to get them lads, because I knew them. I was working in the academy from 28 years of age. So I was running a team on a Sunday morning. Mm. So I had Cottrell and all them when they were 14 years of age. Wow. So to see them at 16, 17 and be in a position to give them that opportunity was the, the plus side of the management side for me. Yeah. What was like the hardest bit of that period? Because how difficult is it to pick yourself in a team that you're managing? Do you worry what players are saying about you when you do that? Yeah, it is difficult because if you don't play well then you play next week, they're going to say, I'm only playing because I'm the manager. <laughs> so it's a, it's a no-win situation mm. really because if you play well, you're going to stay in the team but they're gonna, people are going to be out of the team because you're in it. So it was, it was just a really difficult situation and a, a quite a few of the lads who I got on brilliant with when I was a player mm. but probably knew what they were doing a little bit in their lifestyles and when I become the manager they're thinking oh my god yeah. so it was it become difficult and I, it's funny because I'm sure Danny Coles won't mind me mentioning Coles here I got on brilliant with Danny Coles but then he got in a few bits of spots of bother um, and I knew what he was doing a little bit and I ended up having to sell Colesy because I had to make a statement to the rest that this isn't acceptable, da-da-da-da. And Cozy's another a friend now who I deal with as an agent yeah. daily and weekly, and he's a great lad. And we laugh now, but it was just one of them situations that was really difficult. Mm. I've spoken to Colsey as well. He went on to Rovers, didn't he, as well? He's one yeah, of those yeah. few oh. players who, who <laughs> crossed the divide. Yeah, we uh, sold him up to Hull, actually, and he, it was a really good move for him, but he, he had a cruciate knee ligament injury up there, mm. which um, really knocked him back. In fact, it knocked him back that far. Yeah, I go back to Rovers. Mm. That's how. <laughs> yeah, oh. that far, yeah, yeah. Just, just going on to some of those players you mentioned before, Leroy Lita. He's mm. he's playing it down at Margate, I think, at the moment, yeah. isn't he? And he had a good yeah. career, Leroy. He was, a, he was a natural goal scorer. We were sitting on the side of a pitch at the training ground, and he came in as a trialist at 16. Yeah. He'd um, got released from Chelsea, and we had this practice match going on. And John Laycock, the chairman, then was sat there, Tony Forthrop, and. We're watching this lad and he's, he's hit a left foot volley, he hit a right foot volley, and then he's got a header and he scored a header and got a hat-trick. And we're all just looking at each other and just sign him. And then within a year or two, he was in the team and he was, as I say, he was gone for a million pounds. Um, what about um, Cole Scoo's obviously a massive favourite here. And, mm. Still playing? Uh, yeah, I, well, I thought I was going to say, yeah, that last Wednesday he was excellent. Yeah, yeah he was, <laughs> he was good, I watched the um, game. He's yeah. a, he was such a... They were good lads, them lads. Them young lads were good lads and... Um, they were all very level-headed and they wanted to listen, want to learn. Really like the group we've got now. Mm -hmm. Underneath the first team, this group of lads that are out on loan and, and trying to get into that first team, they've got a similar attitude and similar sort of lads to them. And I always see it, and I keep saying to the manager, they're better than the ones that I played when I was yeah, the manager. Yeah. I think they're better, mm. and I think they can go on and make very good careers. What, at what point did you decide to stop playing? The second season, we just missed out on the playoffs and to be honest, it wasn't because I wanted to stop playing, it was just I couldn't. 
I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't put, do everything Not, together. It was the anymore. mental thing rather than the physical thing? Yeah, I think it was. I could have played on. If I hadn't been the, the player manager 100%, I'd have played another season at least, or maybe two, because I was fit. I was mm. really fit. Um, but I just, I sat in that summer and I just, I couldn't get my head round training every day still, mm. keeping fit, playing, and having all that preparation as well as going to watch games and doing the preparation and speaking to the and everything that goes with being a manager and I, I couldn't do it I wanted to do it because I know and I knew that when I was on the pitch I could affect it even more than when I was on the side mm. I, um, I don't want to dwell on any of the bad times <coughs> at all Brian but one thing people have said to me is that I think if I'm right after your last game in charge as manager um, you were in the dugout for a long time is, is, that, is that right and could we ask maybe what, what, what you yeah, think yeah, about yeah yeah 100% I, I, we'd got beat obviously well documented um, uh, we were walking at the hotel and Steve was walking Steve Lansdowne was walking I mean, I've got a brilliant relationship with Steve and I, I thank him for everything he's done and for giving me that opportunity and we were walking and we had a lot of injuries and we had a really young team and Swansea were going well at the time mm. and he, he said to me I'll never forget he said well, mate, you may just have to bite the bullet today because this is going to be tough because we had a really young team out. we had all of them a lot of them young players were playing and um, as the game went on and obviously another a bit of an experience we're getting beat 2-0 3-0 and I'm instead of just thinking well we may as well bite the bullet here this is what I'm changing it to try and get back in the game mm. and trying to chase it and chase it and taking defenders off and putting more attacking players on and it just it obviously got out of our hand and Tony Forthrop was there and Keith Millen and um, they were saying like near the end we're going to have to think about what we're going to say and what we're going to say to the players I said I ain't saying anything I'm done and they were like what? I said, I, it was like a humiliation for me. You know, all of the hard work I'd put into playing here, 550 games, getting that opportunity, the people who'd given me the opportunity, I thought I'd let down. So I just said, I won't be going in there, I'm done. And they were like, no, no. And I said, yeah. So they disappeared after, and I just sat in the, the dugout trying to contemplate how it was going to happen and what I was going to actually do. And... Um, then I walked in the middle of the centre circle, I ran Kath, we'd just had Jay actually, he was only six weeks old, and uh, I said to Kath, come and pick me up. She said, Jay's just got to bed. <laughs> she said, I can't just come and pick you up. I said, come and pick me up. So she said, no, I can't. So I just, wait, Steve come out to be honest, and we had a long conversation on the pitch. Um, I just got on the team bus, come home, got straight in the car, went round to Steve's the next day, round the house and had a conversation. and. Um, and that was it, really. It was, it was, it's the humiliation, really. That shows your love for the club, though, doesn't well, it? Well, I, I, I thought I made the right decision yeah. for the club at the time because I, did, I couldn't see myself at that time pulling it back round after a result like that. And that, to be honest, I've seen managers so many times now have a result like that but actually turn it round and go on again. Mm. And do you regret you, it? You, I don't regret it, no. But I do think sometimes when you see that happen and they go and win the next three or four results mm. and that game's gone, but it had been a tough start of the season. We hadn't had a great start. As I said, I changed a lot of players, which I think in, in the long run was probably the wrong decision. But, yeah, it was, it was tough, really tough. It took me a long time. I always say we, I went and helped John Ward out at Cheltenham for a bit when helping the young players. Martin Cool rang me and said, we're in trouble at Aldershot. Would you come back? I hadn't played for a year. Mm. He said, would you come back and play and just try and get us out of trouble? We're in the national. They were in the conference then and they were near the bottom. So I went and played 10 games for Cooley and Darren Bernard was there, who had a great yeah. relationship here. And we managed to win six out of 10, I think, and they stayed up. So 
but then we, I had to get away from Bristol. I think that it got to that point where I'm in the supermarket and people have come in and said, we're really sorry, it's bad, and <laughs> you should have stayed, you know, and it was every day. I couldn't get away from it, so we actually moved, um, moved to Spain. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, we went to Spain and partly was just to get a clear head, clear and get away from it and start afresh, really. But I always say I just, I went to Spain to rehabilitate for eight years and then gladly I got the opportunity to come back so I was fresh it had all gone and the people since I've come back have been absolutely brilliant so how long were you in Spain? eight years I spent and what did you do out there? I set up an academy a football academy wow. we had um, nine teams from nine to nineteen um, I worked for Everton I was scouting for Everton over there so I was watching La Liga games and wow. championship games in Spain uh, at the same time as doing the coaching and running the teams it was a great experience and it really opened, opened my mind up to how other people and other cultures work and do it. But I had a great time, I really loved it. And But really, the only club when I come back from Spain, I, I always said after eight years, I'd never move back. Oh, that was me, that was me done. But um, after conversations with John Lansdowne and Keith Dore, it was, um, it was plain to see that I was on my way back and I couldn't wait, to be honest. And I've loved the last, this is 60 year back now, and I've loved every minute. What? What did you think when you got to Spain? Did you think, I'm never going to manage again? Yeah. And you stick by that? Yeah, 100%. Why? I didn't feel that I had the... Had the you have to have to be a certain person to manage. You know, I was, I was a football person, 100%. That's all I ever thought of, watch football. Da, da, da. As I say, I was in the academy at 14 watching them young players. But sitting back, I always thought after I took the job, I was more suited to developing and help develop young players, which is ideally the situation I've come back now mm. is exactly that, and helping them seven, eight players who came through the academy when I was manager and getting them careers, I think I'm closer to being back to that, yeah. which is, I think, what is my, what I do best. And how, how did it come about getting you back here? You said you had some phone calls there. Yeah, was yeah, that I out did. of the blue? Were you expecting um, it? I was actually on a ski lift in Sierra Nevada in Granada <laughs> with, sure. with uh, Kath and Jay we didn't ski for sure don't worry about that we were just there for the snow and for mm. the views and everything for Jay really and um, I'd spoke to Keith and, and, and I had a missed call when I got back down the bottom of the ski things and um, it was just it was great really it, it excited me you know and that it was the only thing that we'd have come back to England for really is something that was exciting and obviously We've got the children here, we've got the grandkids here, and it was all just... Jess had just finished school and she wanted to do, like, a teaching back in Bristol. So it just, it just all fell into place at the right time, to be honest. And you, you love your role now, I think you said there, Brian, and I see you at so many matches now. <laughs> I, at one point I was thinking, who goes to more matches? But I know for sure you do. <laughs> you go to a lot more matches than I do. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm guessing you put in some big expenses bills for the, <laughs> the miles you do on the, on the most. Yeah, but I watch all of our young... Obviously, the young players are out on loan are the priority for me to watch and, and see how they're developing. And I have constant conversations with the manager on them all. Um, but if there isn't, then I'll go and... I like watching the young players in the academy, you know, the 18s and the 16s and the 15s. I was at the 14s game on Sunday morning watching the 14s play Cardiff. So, yeah, I'll be watching a game, whatever it is and wherever it is. We've, we've, we've had some good ones. We took Seiko Jenner out of uh, Bath, playing for Bath, watching him. Yeah. And we took Antoine out of Filton Academy, watching him play in them sort of games. They've had some so incredible times, haven't we've, they? Yeah, we've had some, some good ones, so it doesn't... 
you never give up on what levels the lads are playing because there's always someone out there who hasn't had that opportunity. Yeah. You, you must be really pleased with how things are going this season in particular because there's so many that having a really great impact at clubs. I mean, you they mentioned Seku there yeah. and he's doing wonders, isn't he? Dad? He is. Just, just yeah. gone top of the table. Yeah. Seku's got eight goals and 12 starts, which is fantastic. Under Gary Johnson, of course. Yeah. Under Gary Johnson. We've, um, we've had... Antoine Semenu come out of Filton College a year ago. He's he's playing in League Two for Newport. Can I just ask you about Antoine Wildwood? Yeah. Uh, there were some links to Manchester United. Yeah. Was there I've any seen, truth? I've in seen. Them? I was sat with a Man United scout the other the other week at Newport, to be honest, and they really like him, and people will like him because he's, he's he's 18 mm. years of age. He's playing a real good, talent in, oh. in, in coming through with City. Basically, yeah, there is. There, we've got a lot. We've got eight out in the league at the minute, and then we've got probably 12 below the league. Mm. But the ones outside the league at the minute, there's going to be probably three or four in January who will be wanted to go into the league so we could have 12 yeah. like young academy players playing in the league by January wow. which is fantastic absolutely uh, one other guy I want to ask you about Brian is um, Tyreek who, who's really standing out for me at Newport I know the other guys there are doing really well as well Antoine we just mentioned Cameron Pring who I think he's doing a, he's, mm. he's, he's, he scored didn't he the other yeah, the day I think wasn't he even set up by Tyreek Tyreek well? yeah. yeah Tyreek was a it was a lad that we brought from Luton obviously um is a, is a big, big talent. Um, that was his first loan. It came about because the first team were going to Spain in the after in pre-season and the 23s were going up to um, Scotland. Now, Tyree, what didn't quite make the Spain trip, but we thought he'd probably gone past the 23s. So I was at the game, I was at the Bath game and um, I think it was Macker or the manager had rang and said, can we get Tyreek somewhere to train for a week where with a possibility of a, of a loan? And I rang Flinney because I got a good relationship with Flinney in Newport. And um, I said, Look, we've got this really good player. He hasn't been out on loan anywhere. Would you take him for a week to train while the lads are here and there and see what you think? So he took him for a week. They played at Hereford. They played someone else in a friendly. And he's like on the phone, I'll take him, I'll take him. <laughs> you know, straight away. Yeah, and that's, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. that's how that happened. And he, he had a fight to get in the team to start with yeah. um, because probably of his inexperience. But now he, he plays every week. Every game, great, I think yeah. he's had six, seven man of the matches yeah. there. He's been great. I've seen him ten, twelve times. He's been very, very good. Yeah. Did you um, catch any of Joe Morell? Because um, obviously he's a bit. Well, he's. I think he's the same age actually as Connor down at um, yeah. Torquay. But he's another one who's, who's a talented lad. And I was thinking if he goes on loan. Uh, say in January or something maybe in a league somewhere you could end up with a few players coming back to City next season such as the likes of Taylor Moore who's mm. done pretty well mm. down at South End Sean Mikulski who's been out in the league uh, say if, if Joe goes into League One as well that could be three players coming back with good experience and, definitely um, we've had the conversations already on obviously who who is the possibilities to be near our near yeah. our squad um, obviously Tyreek's one we've talked about who's doing exceptionally well Taylor Moore Sean Johnny Smith's doing extremely well at Tramia he's yeah. another one obviously Cam Pring who did well in pre-season he went away to Spain with the first team came on against Bournemouth here in the pre-season game he was fantastic for half an hour so there is there's a lot and there's a lot of good young players just sitting there yeah. and we've got them in the right places to develop they are developing very well but ultimately we want them to get close to our first team. Have you um, had a chance to watch Zach at all play this season? I've watched every game of Zach's, yeah. not live, but every clip of his, mm-hmm. every game. He's, he's doing exceptionally well. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, the other week I watched his clips, they've gone to Middlesbrough and doing it nil-nil away at Middlesbrough, yeah. which is a tough place. He's getting great experience and um, 
as you say, with our young players, we've had Max O'Leary this year, who's mm -hmm. had, to, had the opportunity. Lloyd Kelly is is doing fantastically well. Then you've got Zach, then you've got Joe Morrell. You know, Antoine came on in the last game of last season to get a bit of experience. Bakinson's come on against Crystal Palace last year in the in the League Cup. Yep. Connor and Opie played at Watford last year. So yeah. there's there's so many that were just keeping and keeping bubbling uh, over. Really. From what I, some people have said to me behind the scenes, there's even some talents even below that as well coming oh. coming through. Uh, Our first year uh, scholars are a fantastic group. Yeah, they're a really exciting group. We've it, had phone yeah. calls about them yeah. wanting people wanting to be going to conference south already. Really? Sixteen yeah. years of age. I I, I don't know if this age. one is true. Somebody said to me that Kevin Betsy, um, who's ex, ex is he ex City or he's at Fulham yeah, at least yeah, yeah, but um, I think he was down maybe at the Cardiff game when I was down there yeah. um, which Bristol City won yeah. uh, under 18s and he's keeping an eye on them so that's yeah, pretty yeah. Ex exciting because he is the England under 15s under 16s yeah. uh, manager so yeah there's some no we're excited from, from the 23s group we've got Alan Lorne the 18s, the 16s, the 15s, we've got some fantastic young players. And we've, the good thing about the academy now, which is really important, that we've got a settled staff in the academy now. There's been a lot of change and constant change. But now we've, we've got Gary Pro with the academy managing, Gary Davenport. We've got Dave Horseman, who's come back as the head of coaching, who's making a big impact with the young players. So we've got a good, steady... We've got Luke Williams, who, in my opinion, is one of the best developers of young players in the country so we've got a good settled we're all that's, that's really great together. to hear yeah, that's really yeah. great to hear I remember asking Bobby Reed last season um, about like some of the coaches that had a really big effect on his career coming through here and I mentioned I remember he mentioned David Horseman yeah. actually as one of the guys yeah he'd had a lot to do with so, Joe Bryan yeah. and Bobby when he was here before so Dave's come back and he's making a, a good impact in the academy of the coaching side and the development of the players. And uh, Marvin Brown joined the yeah. rejoined the academy, didn't he? Recently, yeah, he I think um, we've got good gonna... people. You know, yeah. that's the key, and we're all we're all together. You know, we're all working hard to work together to get these players the best opportunity, and I think that's really important. So, City fans, maybe should just be a little bit patient and wait for these guys to come. Yeah, of course, it's it's a, it's a hard division, mm. the championship, to, for young players to play in. Lloyd Kelly's probably a, a little bit of a one-off. Mm. You know, to get in that team so young and play as well as he's done is it's not easy now you know we've got to give these you've got to remember my my um i always go back to bobby bobby's one season of mm. fully playing in the championship was last season and he got he, he did so well and he's a 10 million pound player he's a Premier League player now but if you look back on bobby's career he's never he never played consistently in our team no he was on loan at plymouth yep. in league two he was at bath on loan so was joe joe was at plymouth Bobby went to Oldham and didn't play. So you've just got to be really, really patient with him. And, well, Harry Kane's a great example, isn't he? Yeah, he had four loans yeah, yeah. and never had a good one. Absolutely. How, he's, he's not doing too bad. He's not doing too bad, is <laughs> yeah. he? Yeah, what happened to him? Um, how does it work then with your relationship with Lee Johnson, Dean Holden and, and Jamie McAllister? How much do you speak to them about these young players? Every day. We're in the office with him. I was having a conversation about Cam Bring this morning with Maka because I watched him last night and he was very good and he played very well and... We, we, we discuss them const, const, constantly in the office and um, if somebody's doing very well I'll go and have conversations with a manager I'll get them clipped we've got the good thing is we've got great analysts at the mm. football club who on a Monday morning I can have them 20 loan players all, I've got every clip of every player mm. so I can watch every bit of every every player the ones I haven't watched I can watch and then I can get the manager and say yeah, he's, he's been outstanding he's doing this he's doing that and we've got a plan for them all. You know, that's the key. We've, 
it's not just off the cuff. We've, we've got plans for every single young player who we're the direction they need to go in and what they need to get into our first team. What? And everybody, everybody buys into it. What defines the ones that make it then? Because you said you've got a plan for all of those and by the sounds of it, they could all make it. <clears throat> but when do you decide, OK, this one's got it and perhaps this one maybe hasn't? Yeah. Well, we, what we want to do is we want to give them an opportunity. If they're not going to play for Bristol City, can we make them into a league footballer mm. who play for someone else? Then at some point, if we sit down and go, right, we don't think he's going to play in our first team, then we may have to sell him with a sell-on and back yourself to say, right, he's not ours, but let's hope he goes somewhere else. And, you know, when they sold Balassi from here for 150000 and then six years later get another £6 because mm. you've got a good sell on them. Mm. It wasn't for you at the time, which is fine, mm. but let's make sure we've got that cover to cover ourselves and make that money later on if they go and make it somewhere else. Do you've you got to back your judgment, really. Do you have any regrets of players that maybe have slipped through the net? Not really, no. I think... Um, the lad who went to Newcastle, did Rolando Ahrens went at 16, didn't he, and did very well. But mm. at the time, there was quite a few issues there with with Rolando, and it was best for him to move on. There's know. always reasons behind it, I of guess. Of course, there is. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of lads doing quite well in the football league. I think at the moment, Herbie Kane, I'll, I'll mention. Yeah. Um, noticed the other day he's doing well at Doncaster. Yeah, he's done well. And um, uh, Jake, Jacob uh, Maddox, Maddox yeah, yeah, who's down at Cheltenham, I think as yeah. well. So, the two really exciting players, but they're, they're ones that it's taken out of your hands, really, because at 14, if Chelsea and if Liverpool come and want to take them players, and they have a, win, yeah. they have a window at 14, them young players, where they can go right. and speak and, and oh, go really? to them. Yeah, right. so that was totally out of our, out of our hands. Really. Yeah. It's not ideal. You don't want that to happen. But hopefully they go on and have really good careers and then we profit when they go on. And, ma- so. and maybe the guys coming through now can see that basically the likes of Lloyd Kelly coming through, there's yeah. a pathway here, you've got the new training facilities, hopefully, I guess. Definitely. You want to be able to show your young players that there's a, there's a pathway into your first team. I think that's the key. And that will stop people and young players, hopefully, going off and wanting to make it somewhere else because they know mm. they can make it here. And that's our drive, really, is to make sure them lads think and know that there's a path through, pathway and through. And this is the best place for them? Yeah, 100%. And they, to be honest, we've got good lads. And, and not just good footballers, but good, good people. And that's what we've done in the last two or three years. We've recruited not just good players, but good human beings. Mm. And we've let go some players who were good players, mm. but they weren't good people. Mm. And weren't, they didn't, we're, a, we're a club that wants to develop and coach and make players better. Now, if you don't want to do that mm. as a player, then you won't be here. We did it with Lukic, didn't we, Ivan Lukic, yeah. last year. He came, he didn't want to train properly, turn up late, do what he wants. Mm. Well, go somewhere else and play then, because it's not. this is not the club for you, because we don't allow that. Mm, very interesting. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Brian, thank you so much no for worries. coming on the podcast. It's thank fascinating you. to talk really, to you. Thank you, thank you mate. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Fantastic to hear from Brian. There's some amazing stories, Gregor. I love that one about Paul Gascoigne literally driving uh, across his lawn and clearly a, a club legend and it was going to take something special to bring him back and we can tell he's loving what he's doing right now. So thank you again to Brian Tinian for coming on our podcast this week. Gregor, before we go, we must discuss what happened on Sunday. Uh, one all against Millwall. It was looking good for so long and then perhaps a lapse in concentration, but a very good finish by Millwall to secure a point. And I think Bristol City will be really disappointed with that, won't they? 
They will be, and yeah, I think the head coach was massively disappointed when we spoke to him after the game. Obviously, they had it in their hands, they got the goal, and I actually thought they would maybe see it through clean mm. sheet because defensively they have been pretty good this season still got the sixth best defence in the league on goals scored but yeah it's just goals at home are the problem just he singled out Roy Kelly though didn't he? he, he did he yeah um, I, I don't have a problem with that I think I think that's just part of the learning process I think Lloyd would hand, uh, hold his hands up there, mm. there as well he knows plus the, the long term plan I think is still for, for Lloyd to be a centre back mm. so Basically, if he's going to be playing centre-back, he needs to be better in the air and fend off the likes of Steve Morrison. But he is only 19 years old, so yeah, with young players, you're going to get the odd mistake here and there. I, I don't think it was just Lloyd's um, fault there. Obviously, no. someone's got to track uh, Williams' run. That didn't happen. And yeah, but, but for me, the more general uh, point is that City have only once this season scored more than one goal at home. Yeah, it's not healthy, is it? Not not healthy at all. And then to go to Birmingham on Saturday, uh, I'm going to be there, you're going to be there, so we're going to take this one in. But uh, to go to Birmingham, who have really picked up form. Gary Monk is doing a very good job there. Uh, They're currently ninth in the championship, four points above Bristol City. Bristol City are now slipping away to the point perhaps they're not in the running for the playoffs. Is that fair to say? I think so, but you just never, you never know, know. Sure yeah, no. in this league. And yeah, somebody made a good point the other week that Fulham were only a, a point away from from where Bristol City were this last time week. last yeah, year. But but obviously they signed Mitrovic in the uh, January window, and I'm not sure that that will happen uh, <laughs> this January here. But you never know. And just if they could recruit well in January, then and you get on a run, then who knows. But at the moment, it's looking very much uh, mid-table, isn't it? We're almost out of time for this week. But I want to tell you about this. Greg was going to be there. Uh, cannot wait for our Robins on the Wire Christmas pub quiz. I'm going to wear my Christmas jumper with a robin on, Gregor. I hope you've got one too. Uh, this is happening Thursday, the 13th of December. Starts around 6 o'clock. If you want to come along, it's at the Rising Sun, uh, which is on Ashton Road, if you know it. Basically, we're asking you to put your robin's knowledge to the test. Uh, maybe we'll have some questions about what we talked about today with Brian Tinian, who drove over his lawn and <laughs> dropped him off. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be hosting this. It's going to be recorded as part of a special Robins on the Wire podcast. Right, this is five quid and it includes a free drink. What's not to like? Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing you there if you can make it along. It's going to be a great night and we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to talk to you about what's been happening at the club and just get your thoughts as well. There's a few teams already lined up, I know. I think the club is sending down a team. Uh, we've obviously got a post team and I'm sure you'll do better than us. But No heckling, so, no yeah. heckling me while I'm, <laughs> while I'm asking the questions. But the biggest point of this as well is that we're raising money for Children's Hospice Southwest. It's in partnership with them. It's going to be a fantastic evening and we'd love to have you down there with us and we'd love to have a chat to you get your thoughts on the podcast as well and get your thoughts on how Bristol City's season is going so that's next Thursday the 13th of December we hope to see you there thanks for listening this week if you're listening on iTunes please rate and review us and we'll be back next week to reflect on the Birmingham City match Robins on the Wire